Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And we're going to take a look at a very peculiar type of story today. Petrified Bodies. Now, when I first came across these stories, I thought they were really some kind of an exaggerated hoax that was perpetrated through time. And I kept seeing these types of stories come up in the early 1800 newspapers as somewhat of a sensationalized news report that they were carrying at the time. So we're going to explore the subject today and find out whether these petrified bodies is a myth or something that actually occurs. So come along and join me. Well, initially, I believe that these stories of petrified bodies were a myth. And then, of course, when you start looking up the subject of petrified bodies on Google, you, of course, come across the story of Pompeii, and it's actually referred to as a form of petrification of what happened in Pompeii. And if you're not familiar with the story, they began excavating Pompeii somewhere around the 18th century, maybe early 17th century. They rediscovered the ruins of an old city that had existed at one time at the base of Mount Vesuvius over there in Greece, and it was a city that was destroyed by a volcanic blast. And when they were building a new building somewhere in the 17th or 18th century. They were digging and excavating a foundation of some sort, and they came across the ruins of Pompeii and discovered what appeared to be bodies of people caught in time in a state of fear and panic and terror. And if you want to take a look at those online, just go look for pictures of Pompeii and you'll see what I mean. The bodies were literally frozen in time when a volcanic eruption captured them when they died. So what is petrification? Well, when you look it up, it's a geological term and it basically comes down to a process in which organic material becomes a fossil through the replacement of the original material and the filling of the original pore spaces with minerals. Petrified wood is a good example, and it usually that typifies the process of what people are most familiar with. In fact, if you go to Colorado, there's actually a building out there in Colorado that a man made out of petrified wood. But according to Wikipedia, petrified wood can be made out of all organisms from bacteria to vertebrates. So bacteria and vertebrates can become petrified, although harder, more durable matter such as bone and beaks and shells survive the process better than softer remains such as muscle tissues or feathers or skin. But in order for petrification to occur, it has to have a combination of two processes. One is a pre-mineralization and then a replacement of those cellular soft tissue. And the examples that I have come across in terms of describing it, if a body or organic material is buried in an area where there is a high mineralization in the water, there's a chance that petrification could occur with the item. For example, in the case of petrified wood, a tree is fallen in an area where there's a lot of mineralization in the water, and as it decomposes, the cellular matter gets replaced with minerals, which becomes hardened, 
And this is my understanding of the process, and I'm sure there's some geologists out there that can give a much better description of petrification. But I'm just giving you this kind of a basic understanding. You can certainly look it up yourself. And they have broken down pre-mineralization into a lot of different component parts. And there's different types of minerals that will create a different effect. But it's all of a, based on the hardening of an organic material. And it's really that the person themselves is not... For example, if a human body is buried and it becomes petrified in a rare case... It is not that the body itself is turning into stone. It's that the organic material is being replaced by a mineralized process that has to do with uh, a perfect combination of events. That's my understanding of it based on what I've been reading about it. So when you hear the stories that I'm about to tell you, these are all from Michigan newspapers dating back to the early 1800s. In fact, I found one in a newspaper in 1837. So I'm going to start farthest back in time that I found and move forward and talk about this subject a little bit, mainly because it was something that was talked about at the time in the 1800s, and people considered it something to be a fact of the time that this could happen to somebody when they die. So in a newspaper that was published on April 19, 1837, it was in Constantine, Michigan, and the paper was called the Constantine Republican. And it reads, we learn through a paragraph extracted from a Tennessee paper that a cave has been recently discovered on the Great Laurel Ridge in Pennsylvania, in which were found three petrified bodies, one of a dog lying flat upon the rock, and two of men, one sitting and the other standing with a spear balanced in his hand. A part of the clothing of the human figures is also petrified, and it is said further that preparations were making to forward the petrifications to New York. And that was the extent of that little article. The next story that I found was in the Grand River Times, that was published in February of 1855. And they were carrying a story from Dayton, Ohio. And it describes that a woman by the name of Mrs. Loy was removed from her grave as the grave was to be moved to a new location. And when they dug her up and they removed her coffin, they found the coffin was perfect and so heavy that it required six men to lift it. And there was a shroud and all the covering that was upon the body at the time of interment 24 years prior had disappeared, and the body was in perfect condition except the right leg from the knee to the ankle joint where the flesh seemed to have wasted away. And that leg apparently lay at the bottom of the coffin in a substance which resembled ashes, but the rest of the body was in a state of petrification. They described the stone of a drab color, with the smile on her face, which she wore when she gave up her mortality. And that was the information in that article about the disinterment of Mrs. Loy. Interesting story. Another quick story was found in the True Northerner, which was a paper published in Pawpaw, Michigan. This one was published on November 12, 1858. It reads, petrified bodies, two human bodies, completely petrified, were recently dug from a graveyard in Allentown, Pennsylvania. 
they are as perfect as life, although they had been buried about 14 years. Now, here's an interesting story that ran in the Hillsdale Standard in September of 1875. And it reads, A cave found on a Mississippi island with bones, skulls, skeleton, and a wooden leg. Davenport, Iowa, August 31st. A remarkable discovery was made on an island in the Mississippi, eight miles below this place on Friday, by some fishermen. It was a subterranean cave hewn out of a solid, huge rock, which was covered by a rock and which was reached by stone steps. The floor of this cavity, which had undoubtedly been made thousands of years ago, was thickly strewn with ashes, the charred remains of bones, and a substance which was taken to be dead leaves, first melted and then pressed together, resembling in color and solidity a cake of oatmeal. Among the dry ashes was picked up tuss about the size of a boar's tooth, and on investigating, still lower, the boat hook came in contact with a hard substance which proved to be a skull as brown as polished walnut, perfect in every respect of extraordinary size. Upon further examination, an almost complete skeleton was discovered, but the most singular form came to life in a hardened and almost petrified body with leather strips, glazed buckles, and a wooden leg which contained the right extremity of that limb, it having been removed halfway between the hip and the knee. It is a very interesting discovery, proving that a knowledge of bronze was among the arts of the Aboriginal Americans, and that mechanical surgery in those days was equal at least to the formation of a timber extremity. So that was kind of a very peculiar story that ran in the Hillsdale Standard. The next story that I found was in the True Northerner, again in Pawpaw, Michigan, and it ran on October 12, 1877. And it's a pretty long story that was about a discovery in Pueblo, Colorado, by a man named Mr. Conant. And he had apparently dug up a large stone figure of a man, which he had unearthed at the head of a long, dry wash, about six miles north of the residence of another man by the name of Dotson. And it was just outside of Pueblo by about 25 miles. They said a cedar tree grew nearby and one of the roots had grown between the arm and the figure, making it necessary to cut the root before removing the statue from its bed, which it had doubtless reposed for centuries. So initially, they believed they had unearthed a petrified body, but with further examination, they discovered that it was indeed a carved statue, which will reveal itself in a minute. And the article goes on and says, at first, the discovery was supposed to be the petrified body of a human being of a gigantic stature, but closer examination proves it to be a piece of sculpture, but by whom executed it or what age belongs to no one we seem to know. It is composed of a sort of slate rock colored a dirty yellow on the outside, possibly from contact with the surrounding clay. So that was an example right there of the first report coming out saying, oh, it was a petrified body when it turned out to actually have been a carved statue that the person discovered. 
And it's a pretty extensive article, but it basically it was a uh, giant statue that this man found. But here's a story from the True Northerner in Pawpaw, Michigan in 1878. It was published in March of that year. And it's a better example of what we're talking about with the water and the petrification. Um, it says, Remarkable Phenomena. About 12 years ago, Mrs. Weiss, an estimable lady aged about 60, died at her home near this city, and her remains were interred on the farm of a relative, Mr. Jacob Koff, about two and a half miles north of Fort Wayne. As the farm was about to pass out of his hands of the family, the body was yesterday disinterred for the purpose of being removed to Lindenwood Cemetery. The coffin, which had been wasting in a damp place, was found to be well-preserved. When opened, the remains presented a most striking appearance. The features were unchanged, having altered in no respect since death. The body was completely petrified, every portion of it being as hard as a rock. When struck with the hand, the resulting sound was as loud as if a stone wall had been hit. Mrs. W. was a very large woman in her lifetime, and when she died weighed about 200 pounds. The weight of the body yesterday was so great that it taxed to the utmost the strength of six large men to move it. The lines of the face were hardened, and the entire body was as rigid as a bronze statue. The remains were complete, with the exception of the feet, which were gone, there being only two small bones left, which were detached from the ankles. The body was brought to this city yesterday and reinterred in Lindenwood Cemetery. And that was that story. Here's a story that ran in the Battle Creek Daily Journal on April 5, 1880, and it reads, A Remarkable Discovery, A Petrified Body in an Illinois Cemetery. In the middle of the story, it says, A few days since relatives of the deceased raised and removed the bodies to a situation thought more desirable and pleasant, the coffin of Frank Rawlings was found to be unaccountably heavy, six stout men being required to handle it. The friends thought they would open the casket to discover the cause of this, when they found the corpse apparently as natural as every line of form and feature as when interred, even the beard being preserved. The body was petrified, but the pallor of the corpse was retained. There are several witnesses to verify these facts, including a physician of reputation residing at Villa Ridge who was called to examine the corpse. That's an interesting story. And in 1886, there was a story that ran in the St. Joseph Herald Press over in Berrien County on February 20th. And it's a, the title of the article is A Petrified Body, the Valuable Geological Specimen Found Near Evergreen, Ohio. Nine years ago, while grading for a road, the employees of the People's Plank Road Company of Evergreen dug from the hillside a curious stone. It was used for some time by the workmen for prying out other stones, its value as a relic not being suspected. Mr. Henry Cridge, Sr. of Evergreen, had his attention called to it and took it home, intending to convert it into a flower pot. He was informed, however, that it was a petrified human body. It was found in limestone soil and has the appearance of the bark of a tree. 
It appears as if it had been wrapped in the hide of some animal, the outward surface being dotted with what are supposed to be stitches of rawhide. It is about five feet high and two feet in circumference and bears a striking resemblance to the human form. The weight is about 500 pounds. It is said that many years ago, Indians camped on the very spot the form was found, and it is thought to be the remains of a chief from the way it was dressed. The process of petrification is what is known in geology as the sandstone formation. It has been examined by many scientific men of the two cities, and Mr. Cridge has refused $500 offered by the proprietors of a city museum. And that was that interesting story. A quick note also in the St. Harold Press on December 17th, 1887 reads, The petrified body of a man was found in a well in Iowa the other day. It might be called a well-preserved man anyhow. Now, there's an interesting story that ran in the South Haven Messenger on August 21st, 1891. The title of the article reads, After 40 Years, Petrified Body of a Girl Who Had Been Murdered. The body of Mary Ann Greyer who disappeared from Wanta, Indiana 40 years ago, was found in a gravelly pit near there recently. Mary Greyer was the oldest daughter of Nicholas Greyer and was a belle in those old days of 1845 to 1859 when iron mining was an industry near where she lived. She was famous all over the country, which was then new and sparsely settled, and was sought in marriage by many an excellent young man. She had chosen a half-brained fellow named Whitesell and had told her parents she meant to marry him. Whitesell owned an ox team and made a living hauling ore from the shallow mines to the forge at Michigan City. He was warned away from the farm by Greyer and his boys, but persisted in his intentions and finally received a sound drubbing from the old man. The following day, he started north with a load of ore, and early in the evening, Mary left the house. She was never seen again in her life. Her parents and the neighbors believed that Whitesell had decoyed her away, and they followed him clear to Michigan City, but they could find no trace of the girl. Fearing to return to the neighborhood, Whitesell sold his oxen and left the country. He has never since been heard from. The petrified body of Mary Ann Greyer lay for days in a darkened room at the home of her brother, where it was visited by hundreds of persons and was finally interred in the cemetery by the side of her aged mother and near the headstone which had been erected in the memory of a brother who had lost his life in a battle. Old men and women who knew Miss Greyer in life came from miles away to walk past her in silence and awe and amazement to peer closely into the stony face and then to weep afresh for one they mourned as worse than dead long years ago. So that is an interesting story. I wonder if she was actually murdered by Whitesell or somebody else. Here's another story in the Hillsdale Standard that ran in April of 1891. His body hard like a stone. Goshen, Indiana, April 17th. When the body of William Imes, which was buried at 
Karuma two years ago was disinterred yesterday for shipment, it was found that it was petrified with every feature preserved perfectly, even the hair. At the time of burial, Imes weighed 180 pounds, and his petrified body now weighs 495 pounds. The body resembles a hard limestone. Now, the Marshall Daily Chronicle of December 26, 1893, ran an article that explained a little bit better for people what this petrification thing actually was. And the article was called, Not Petrification. Never was such a thing as a petrified human body. A few facts on a subject which is at the mercy of popular ignorance, cliffs on the Yellowstone River, what petrification really is. One reads almost every week in the newspapers of the finding of a petrified human body. Such a thing never did and never will exist. Nevertheless, so dense is the popular ignorance of such matters, and so ready the human mind to be deluded, that reports of this kind are commonly accepted as facts. It would be well if they could be deprived of credibility for all future time by the publication of a few truths on this subject. In the first place, a petrification is not, strictly speaking, a transformation of the original animal or plant into stone. It is merely a replacement of the organic tissue by mineral substance and each particle of the plant or animal decays and disappears in its place taken, usually in water or mud, by a particle of mineral matter deposited from the water which had held it in suspension. Thus the perishable original is changed into imperishable stone, preserving its form and even its structural appearance when cut into. By such means have the skeletons of animals millions of years ago been preserved in the rocks of the everlasting hills so that they may be reconstructed today as they were ages before man appeared on this earth. But it is only the bones that are in this way kept, never the flesh, because water cannot percolate through it. In the same way, forest of trees in the Yellowstone region and elsewhere are changed into agate, and other forms of stone, the hollow logs of the forest primeval being often found filled with beautiful crystals of quartz and amethyst. And that was the explanation that they gave, which pretty much aligns with current data on that, that I explained at the beginning of this episode. And so the final story that I'm going to read was ran in the Lance Sentinel on February 9th, 1895. It is claimed that the petrified body of a man, 20 feet long, was found on a farm in Iowa a few days ago. The discovery was made while digging a coal shaft. The nose, which is broken off, is as large as a man's fist, and the fingers as long and large as an ordinary man's arm. Nothing was found beside the man to show where he came from or what his object in life was. Now, I first heard about the subject of petrified bodies when I was doing some early research on Oak Hill Cemetery here in Battle Creek, and I was researching some of the stories, and I came across one of the early sextons whose name was Ogden Green. And he had a very fascinating story, and there was an interview done with him before he died um, that was published in 1893. 
and it was a very fascinating history that he gave on his years as a sexton in Oak Hill Cemetery. And he had buried over 2,000 bodies during that time. And so his stories was quite fascinating to me. And in the interview, the man who was interviewing him asked him the question, did you ever find any bodies turned into stone or petrified? And his response was, only once, I believe. I took up one body that took the united strength of four men to lift it out of the grave. I did not open the coffin because the friends were present and objective. But judging from the unusual weight, it must have been petrified. And this is a man who had had to disinter many different graves in his lifetime. He moved two entire cemeteries to Oak Hill when Oak Hill was established. So he was very familiar with the weight of a common coffin. And for him to have to call in four men to lift this coffin out of the grave kind of indicates that he knew something was going on. Now, could it have been a case where somebody had faked their own death and filled their coffin full of stone and then buried it and absconded off into a new life? I'm sure there are certain cases out there that maybe that has happened, but it could very well be that the old cemetery filled with some sort of groundwater and created this petrification process that they describe happens. And when I first read that, I thought, oh, this is some sort of a myth from the old days of the 1800s because I'd never heard anybody mention it in present time. But also standards of cemeteries on newer cemeteries and burial services and things like that have changed since that period of time, too. But I just found it to be very interesting when I start researching old newspapers, and I would discover this same type of story occasionally pop up on a page when I was looking for another story, and I'd clip it and I'd put it aside. Finally, I decided that I wanted to do some investigation into this story because it was something that was talked about a lot during that period of time. The other topic that was talked about a lot during that period in time was being buried alive. There was a constant fear of being buried alive uh, during the 1800s. And there had been, of course, certain cases of that happening that had been found and somebody had been reinterred to another cemetery and they'd find the body. And one of the cases at Oak Hill Cemetery was a man by the name of Dorrance Williams, which I did a full podcast episode on him because I was able to research his whole life as well as the what was discovered after he was buried. And that's a very interesting episode and you can find it on in season one on this podcast. And Ogden Green even mentions a case of a lady that he had to reinter by the name of Mrs. Blackman. If you listen to the episode that I did about a week or so ago with Jim Jackson, and I mentioned her name, I think I referred to it as Mrs. Blackwell, but the actual article is Blackman, Mrs. Blackman. And he says, I'll read it, what he says here. Mrs. Blackman had died here many years ago, very suddenly, one Saturday, and she was buried on a Sunday. Some years afterwards, I took up the body for reburial, and from the position I found her in the coffin, I had thought that she might have been buried alive. And that was the only comment that he made on Mrs. Blackman. But he did state that he believed it was a possibility that it could happen. 
And one of the things that was developed during that time was coffin bells, where they would put a string tied to the arm or leg of an individual when they buried them, and they would run a pipe down to the coffin and run a string up through the pipe and put a bell on it. And so that if the person did wake up in the coffin after they'd been buried, they'd ring the bell, and the person tending to the graveyard would come and hear it. And of course disinter them and save them. That was the belief behind the whole design of that. I was never able to ever uncover any case of anybody being found buried alive that had been able to ring a bell. But it is the story of probably a lot of movies out there and that sort of thing. So that's going to conclude today's journey through looking at some of the history of stories around petrified bodies in Michigan And it seemed to be a very common story that would pop up now and then. And it became a part of the common knowledge back in the day that petrification of bodies was something that happened. And it all sounds to me sort of like a Ripley's Believe It or Not type deal. But apparently it is possible that it can happen. But I'd welcome your comments and thoughts about that. And if there's any geologists out there, maybe you can weigh in on that and maybe come on as a guest on my show. We can talk further about the topic at some point. But that's going to conclude today's journey through history on that subject. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com and send me a message on there. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.